If you're like me, we all got bamboozled, and we will explain what exactly we got bamboozled by on today's show. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Appreciate you guys making it a part of your routine, no matter when you happen to listen and or watch it. Uh, we're always proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and of course, we are your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. All right, give you a little bit of a tease in the open there. What exactly was I bamboozled by? And this is something I've started to see pop up over the past few days and officially got clarification on it yesterday and it's a mailbag edition of the podcast and Tyler Bergner will actually get uh, first dibs today because his question is going to key the start of today's show. He asked this, hey Jake, I have a question for the mailbag this week for the podcast. There's been some confusion on the dates for the transfer and portal, excuse me, the transfer portal window this spring. I've seen May 1st to May 15th and April 15th to April 30th. Do you know which of these exact dates uh, for the spring window are correct? Well, Tyler, I started digging into that and then I by chance just stumbled upon a great tweet from Nicole Auerbach from The Athletic. She's one of the foremost authorities when it comes to covering college football as a whole. She said this, uh, FYI, the spring transfer window for college football begins on April 15th. Not sure if everybody realized it moved up. This is from the D1's Council October meeting, and it says that the council adopted proposal number 2022-2023, which says that spring graduate notification of the transfer window has non-controversial legislation in football. Effective immediately, the move of the spring notification of transfer window from May 1st to the 15th to April 15th to the 30th. The change in the spring window allows coaches and student-athletes to have the athletics participation conversations after spring football and before the start of summer athletics activities, allowing student-athletes time to enter the NCAA transfer portal, evaluate opportunities at other institutions, and arrive at a new institution before beginning summer courses and athletics activities. Alright, so there you go, Tyler. The answer is officially it was April 15th to the 30th, and that means it will be starting in June just over a week's time. And I will admit, I was convinced it was May 1st to the 15th. I had not seen that news come out that the transfer portal window was changing. So that means just under 10 days from today, April 6th, it'll be April 15th, the window will open and BYU shortly at the, the day after they finish spring ball because BYU is scheduled to wrap up spring ball on Friday, April 14th. Well, the day after that, the portal window will open. That will obviously offer opportunities for BYU players who felt like maybe spring ball, they're not where they want to be with the BYU roster or BYU might not be the right fit for them. They can hop into the portal straight away and obviously go evaluate their options. But also, that opens the opportunity for BYU to get to work in the transfer portal. I talked about this I think about a week ago, maybe just over a week ago. In talking with folks around BYU. I would fully expect BYU to target at least six to eight, if not more guys in the transfer portal window. Just expect that because BYU knows they need to upgrade a wide receiver. They need to continue to bolster the defensive line, the linebacking core, and even the defensive secondary. And I would imagine if an offensive lineman availed themselves of being a guy that they really feel like could be a difference maker, it wouldn't surprise me to add, to see them add another O lineman, even though they brought in three transfers along the offensive front to begin with in the winter window. So they 
there is a big, big opportunity and a timeline change here for BYU. And I will freely admit, I was convinced it was May 1st. So I got bamboozled, as I said in the open of today's show. And I apologize for that. I should have been more uh, well-informed. And I I apologize to you guys for misinforming you because that's my goal here. I say this all the time. My goal here is to make you guys the smartest BYU fans in the room. Me going over there spouting off, well, can't wait for May 1st when the portal window opens, is a misinformed take. So I, I will apologize to you guys, and I'm sorry for mixing that up. But nonetheless, that moves up the timeline here. And I actually really like the fact that it's April. 15th because I agree with the NCAA Division 1 Council. If you had it in uh, May from the May 1st to the 15th well spring term at BYU is underway already if I'm not mistaken or shortly to begin uh, right then and if players want to get into school right away they're going to have to make a very quick decision, get enrolled get accepted to the the university etc. So this moving this up to the back half of April I think overall is the right decision by the NCAA Division 1 Council like I said it's going to offer a huge opportunity for BYU to go out there and bolster their roster. Kalani Satake has every intention of making BYU as competitive as he possibly can make them going into their Big 12 era, and as he should. Same thing should go for Mark Pope with regards to the spring portal uh, period open for college basketball right now. We're going to talk about some options that have revealed themselves, an in-home visit for a Glens Falls native that might have some interest in BYU that we'll get to a little later on on today's show, but getting back to the football side of things, expect, yes, six, eight, 10 guys uh, for BYU uh, being added via the transfer portal because the thing is, you can trade one for one now. There is no limit on the amount of guys you can bring into a program in any given year now under NCAA guidelines, and that allows guys, as soon as they leave, if BYU, I would figure probably, based on what Kyle Whittingham projects, he thinks that the average per program at least is four to six guys will leave the program after spring ball. If that happens, BYU's held uh, some scholarships in reserve, and they'll obviously, if they had four to six guys leave, that opens up even more opportunities for players to be added to the BYU roster. So it could be a quite a change here in the spring period. Does that mean it's ultimately going to play out that way? No, that does not mean that BYU is going to go and change out 10 guys in particular, but I do expect BYU to be very active in this transfer portal period. The most pressing uh, position on BYU's transfer portal wish list is wide receiver. There's just bar none. You can underline it, put it in Sharpie, whatever you want to do. Wide receivers will be the most highly sought after thing for BYU in the transfer portal. Number two on that list, I think defensive line, number three, linebackers, and then number four, uh, probably defensive back, most notably a cornerback uh, for BYU. So if, if you want to add a fifth, if you want a top five of transfer portal options for BYU, you probably add offensive line to that list. But let's also acknowledge, let's say a hot shot running back decides that BYU is the place he wants to be. I would, I'm sure BYU would find room for him if they truly believe he is that good of a football player. Oh, I, and I, I, I goofed up. I should have added kicker to that mix. Now, kicker is a little different because a lot of kickers out there are walk-ons, and it's an interesting situation to recruit a kicker. How good are they actually going to be? BYU already went to the transfer portal for a kicker in the winter window, and Will Farron has come in, and let's just be honest, he's not impressed, much like the other kickers in BYU's camp. Uh, it's crazy, though. Walk-on, Matthias Dunn out of Wasatch High School has been BYU's best kicker this spring, but it's very much that way. He nailed a 52-yard field goal 
goal in that scrimmage that BYU had last Friday. And that's probably the most impressive kick I have seen with my own eyes in BYU spring ball so far. But uh, I don't think the kicker position necessarily engenders a lot of confidence right now with BYU's coaches. So I guess maybe I'd move the kicker position into the number five slot, maybe even a little higher, three or four potentially, if BYU can find the right guy out there. The biggest thing is how many kickers are truly going to hit the portal and how many of them are that quote-unquote difference maker at that position that BYU can rely on going into the Big 12. But I can guarantee you they will turn over every stone, search under every uh, nook and cranny to find guys they feel like can make a difference for them going into the Big 12 era. And let me just add this, as they should. BYU absolutely needs to continue to bolster this roster and continue to build themselves into a pretty formidable opponent, hopefully, going into Big 12 play. All right. We'll continue on uh, with the mailbag coming up here in just a moment. number of great questions coming in this week. We'll address as many of them, if not all of them, ahead on today's show. Now, first, a word on our friends over at FanDuel. Of course, FanDuel's been working with us for the past few months now. The NBA playoffs are nearly here, my friends, and now is the perfect time for you to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because new customers are getting what they call a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. It's bonus bets back if your first bet does not win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use to get started today. They can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. They've also got a number of great uh, options for uh, specific bets, what they call exclusive bets, excuse me, like a two-by-three. It's two three-pointers made in the first three minutes of a game. You also can go by player points, rebounds, assists, and then you can parlay that all together. It can let you combine all your bets for a bigger pay- a chance at a bigger payout with what they call a same-game parlay, my friends. Don't miss out on the action today. You can get your no-sweat first bet up, up to $1,000 right now. When you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more now. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen today. Can't thank you guys enough for your support of the podcast. I want to encourage you guys, if you have not done so already, check out one of our sister podcasts that is Locked On College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court across the college basketball landscape. Hear from big name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball uh, world as well. That's Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, back to the mailbag now. Now to address it. All the other questions that came in this week. We're going to start off with our good friend uh, Nick Chadwick says, I really wish we could have found a spot on staff for Ken Niamatololo, but what coach on staff leaves first for a promotion at another job? Who would you see as a coach for BYU football any position sometime down the road? Now, obviously a lot of BYU fans would have liked to see Coach Niamatololo coaching at BYU, but he's got a really, really good opportunity at UCLA. I, I think that is a great spot for him to go and work with Chip Kelly, and it's a, it's a position that will, I think, help him him have a springboard into getting another head coaching position. Think about it this way. If a West Coast, uh, uh, F- not an FCS job, an FBS job, like a G5 job, let's say, for example, uh, Fresno State's probably not the example to use, but any of those Mountain West schools, uh, really, if there was an opening coming up next offseason, there, you could do a lot worse as a G5 program than getting Ken Niamatololo. I know that his tenure at Navy did not end the way that he wanted it to or Navy wanted it to, but he is a proven head coach, has run great, great programs 
in the past, and he would do absolutely home runish type stuff. Uh, home runish type stuff? You get what I'm saying. He do a great job on the West Coast. He's from Hawaii. He's recruited the West Coast heavily, even at Navy, bringing in guys from as far away as, as Hawaii to play for the midshipmen. He'd do a great job, and I think he's in a great spot with UCLA. But to your point, what coach on staff first leaves for a promotion at another school? Now, that's a great question, Nick, because I think if BYU's offense continues to play the way it has, and obviously the quarterback play in particular continues to develop the way it has, Aaron Roderick is going to be a highly sought-after offensive coordinator prospect. Does that mean that he wants to leave BYU? I'm not saying that at all. But I think if he proves that he is uh, now able to take, he's taking Zach Wilson to the NFL draft, Jaron Hall is going to go in this year's draft. If Keaton Slovis goes next year in the draft, that is three straight quarterbacks developed by Aaron Roderick that are NFL-caliber quarterbacks, and you can guarantee they're going to be programmed sitting up a little straighter and saying, okay, who's this Aaron Roderick character, and what do we need to do to get to know him a little bit better and potentially poach him away from BYU? So A-Rod's on that short list. Jay Hill also is on that list, but I think it's going to take a little longer for Jay to do what he ultimately wants to do. It is my thought that Jay took the job at BYU, obviously because Kalani Sitake is paying him very handsomely to come in and revamp this defense, but Jay also sees it as an opportunity to parlay his time as a head coach at FCS level Weber State, going to being a Power 5 coordinator at the in the Big 12. If he makes good on the bet he's made on himself, he can find himself springboarding into a, a, a Power 5 head coaching position uh, relatively quickly, and that's, I think, what Jay Hill is ultimately looking to do with this job. Now, other names to keep an eye on. Fessy Satake, he's done a great job with BYU's wide receivers. He's an absolutely incredible recruiter out there in the recruiting field. Uh, he is a guy that I think would get opportunities at the G5 level potentially as a coordinator, uh, full offensive coordinator. I know he's the passing game coordinator at BYU, but keep an eye on his name and also Gennaro Guilford. Gennaro has had no shortage of options to leave BYU multiple times during his seven years on Kalani Satake's staff. Do not be surprised if at some point down the road, I know he's very loyal to his alma mater and BYU has done great things with BYU's cornerback unit, but at some point somebody's going to offer enough money that's going to cause Gennaro to say, you know what, maybe it's time for me to spread my wings a little bit and look elsewhere for my coaching future. So that's my short list of guys I would probably have on the list. But you can't also uh, discount guys like Kelly Papinga, Sione Bua, those type of guys also on that list. All right, final one. Uh, who would you like to see as a coach for BYU football? Any position sometime down the road? That's a great question, Nick. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head because BYU brought in a lot of the guys that I would have liked to have seen and have had the opportunity to see on that staff. I guess one guy in particular that I would like to see a coach at BYU at some point down the road uh, would probably be Sean Nua. Now, Sean obviously has had great opportunities as a G5 and Power 5 coach, coaching defensive lineman. BYU's got a great defensive of line tandem and Kelly Papinga and Sonia Buha right now, but maybe some point down the road, uh, you get uh, Sean to come home and coach at BYU. Uh, it's just I've got a sentimental uh, attachment to w watching guys work at their alma maters. I think it, it works out in so many ways. I know it, it, it goes south sometimes. We all saw what happened with Ty Detmer. But Sean New is probably on that list. But there are a bevy of other guys I could probably think of if you gave me some time. So I'll see if I can ponder on that some more. Nick can get back with you on that. All right. Uh, next one. Jordan Kennard, a good friend, JKBYU01 on Twitter. Have you heard about uh, Isaac Wilson or any other 2024 quarterback prospect that BYU has offered a scholarship to? Have any indicated they would like to commit to a school before the senior year starts? Now, uh, Luke Moga uh, is another guy BYU is looking at. I think he and Isaac Wilson are the top two prospects for BYU in the 2024 class. They recently had uh, Maya Leoaki uh, uh, 
I've screwed up his name. My Aaliyahuaki Smith, uh, if I, I forgot that correctly, uh, he came and visited BYU just this past week, and he's a yeah. My Aaliyahuaki. It's a great first name, by the way. Uh, he came and visited BYU earlier this week. I think he would be an absolute home run for BYU uh, to go out and recruit with the with quarterbacks anymore. It feels like Jordan. I think that they are able to slow play things. If they decide that they wake up one day and say, you know what, I want to go to that program, they pull the trigger. They really control uh, their future when it comes to their opportunities as quarterbacks. So I have not heard if a guy like Isaac Wilson or Luke Mogar, in this case, Maya Leoaki Smith, I haven't heard of any of them have set necessarily firm commitment dates, nor should they, in my personal opinion. Next one, Garrett, do you think Utah will get another pro, football, uh, pro team in the next five to ten years? If yes, do you think baseball or hockey would do better? Now, Garrett, uh, five to ten years is a very... Um, how to say this, a very aggressive timeline for me. If you gave me 10 to 15 years, I'd say absolutely. I think in 10 to 15 years, they will have another pro franchise in the in the state of Utah. Personally, I want to see Major League Baseball because in my field, in sports media, it fills a huge hole in our summer lineup. Now, obviously, football dominates all we have Real Salt Lake playing through the summer, etc. But Major League Baseball, there's nothing like it. I want Major League Baseball to come to Utah. But I do expect if it's going to happen, uh, I think it's going to be NHL next. That, uh, I think the National Hockey League is the most likely. There's that report out there that Ryan Smith, obviously, who owns the Utah Jazz, recently met with Gary Bettman, the NHL commissioner. If that's happening, you can guarantee there's been some overtures made maybe on both sides about, hey, you should come to Salt Lake City. I know that the Los Angeles Kings have played five straight what they call Frozen Fury exhibition games here in Salt Lake City. They'll be playing their fifth straight coming up this October. They announced actually just yesterday they're going to take on the San Jose Sharks. They have played the Vegas Golden Knights in the past. I have hope that the Seattle Kraken, the NHL team that I have adopted as my own, uh, would be coming uh, to play in that at some point down the road, but we'll find out. I, I do think in 10 to 15 years, we should have another pro franchise, but it could go much faster than that, Garrett. It just kind of depends on the timeline and the opportunity out there with regards to uh, when franchises are available, if it's an expansion franchise, a franchise relocating, all that type of stuff. All right, next question coming from our good friend uh, River Cook says, mailbag question, uh, long-term, will BYU make slight social norm and honor code enforcement changes to attract a wider berth of talent? says, I'm not saying to change the honor code, but the severity of the punishment. Thanks. Now, that's an interesting one, River Coog, uh, because I think the BYU has already kind of a, a, a changed how they go about enforcement of this. Gone are the days of me as a reporter or any other reporter out there calling up Kerry Jenkins and the main BYU uh, press office and saying, hi, is such and such a player on, on honor, on, under honor code uh, violations or are they under honor code punishment, that type of stuff? And BYU back in the day would tell you yes or no. That was uh, That's an invasion of privacy, honestly. And I, I'm surprised they did it for as long as they did. BYU has been very, very careful with how they go about enforcing the honor code based on the way I understand it. Now, I have not been a student at BYU for some time now. It's a different era now. There are new people running the honor code. But I know that BYU is not trying to be as heavy-handed with regards to, okay, you did that, you get this punishment. They're trying to understand all mitigating circumstances in it and come to a conclusion of what exactly is going on and then at that point uh, trying to uh, figure out what to do next and in some cases it requires punishment obviously uh, there's probation there's being expelled from school but that stuff is so much quieter now you, you hardly hear of an honor code violation uh, 
like it used to be back in the day. So I do think they've already made some change, changes, River Coog. Uh, I do think they can continue to make some adaptations along the way, and I would assume that they will continue to do that if at all possible, but I'm with you. They're not going to change the honor code itself. That It seems like that's hard and fast at BYU. Now, obviously, I'm currently not in honor code compliance myself with this beard if you're watching me on YouTube. Uh, that's one thing that the honor code needs to just do away with, the facial hair stuff, whatever. I, I just don't get that. It's archaic. It goes back to the uh, Vietnam hippie era, obviously with Ernest L. Wilkinson. That's like the one thing. If they would change anything in the honor code, be a simple change. Just say, you know what? Facial hair, as long as it's not like you don't got a rat's nest on your face, let's go with it. I don't think beards are any worse than a mustache because there's some horrendous mustaches that make their way around BYU. I'm just, I'm, I'm just putting that out there. And you guys who have been on campus know exactly what I'm talking about. All right, Kevin Williams up next. Do you anticipate Paul Miley locking down one of the guard spots in the fall? This is also, who do you think that will start at the other guard spot? Now, that's an interesting question here, Kevin, because Paul Miley has played center most of his career at Utah, at least in his starting experience. Paul is a very, very good offensive lineman. He's a technician. He is not the biggest guy. He's not the tallest guy. So I actually would agree with a take that I actually heard for the first time, if I recall correctly, on Give Him Help, Bring Him the Podcast. I'm going to give uh, Jeff Hansen the credit on this because he pointed out that uh, Paul Miley may be a better center than a guard, and Connor Pay, while he may be the better center overall, if that makes sense. He may be the better player than Paul Miley, but in an effort, if Paul Miley is one of the five best offensive linemen for BYU, in an effort to get him on the field, you put him at center and move Connor Pay to either one of the guard spots. Connor Pay is good enough to play any position along the offensive line. I truly believe that. He has got the athleticism, the tenacity, the smarts, the strength, all that stuff that goes into making a good offensive lineman, and in some ways, it actually would benefit him to have some guard experience when it comes to his NFL prospects down the road. So don't be surprised if Paul Miley truly is as good as advertised that he might end up as BYU starting center with Connor Pay starting at a guard spot. Uh, kind of opposite what you asked there, Kevin, but that's uh, something I can very easily see. And I, I, like I said, I'm giving a lot of the credit to Jeff Hansen. He kind of pointed this out for the first time, and I completely agree with his assessment. Now, at the other guard spot, I think it's Waylon Lapuaho's to lose. Obviously, the transfer from Utah State started at, at last year, all last year, for Utah State at guard. I think that he he locks down that inside spot, but don't be surprised if Ian Fitzgerald, another transfer into the program, or even a guy like Lee Solitai, in an effort, like I said, to get the best five linemen on the field at any given time, do not be surprised if they get uh, some long looks at guard as well. BYU will do their best to get the best five guys out there and give them the best opportunity to be successful as an offensive line unit, and we'll see how it all plays out. All right, uh, final question will go to our good friend Ryan Welling, and apologies if I did not get to your questions on today. Today's show for they came in after I recorded this podcast. We'll get to those in a future episode, so stay with us. We'll get to those. But Ryan has the last word here, and it'll parlay into our next segment. He says, with the in-state basketball head coaching vacancies, does it impact the BYU staff? Uh, in a word, yes, I do think it could impact the staff, Ryan, because I think that at Utah State in particular, uh, there could be opportunities for a guy like Cody Fieger to get in the mix up there, Nick Robinson, etc. if Utah State's motivated there. Even more so at UVU. UVU, obviously, Cody Fieger coached there under Mark Pope, has strong ties to Orem, obviously, in that area. He's worked in the area. He's recruited uh, to this area. I think he'd be a strong candidate at a UVU. Same with Nick Robinson. Uh, same with Cahill Fennell. I think all three of BYU's assistants could be in the mix, even for Southern Utah down there. So, yeah, like I said, in a word, yes, 
It will affect BYU's coaching staff, but it's all dependent if one of those three vacancies, as currently constituted in the state, decide that they want to look at BYU staff. Now, in some ways, for Mark Pope's to Mark Pope's benefit, the down season this past year has taken some of the shine and luster off of his assistants, and that may actually uh, afford him the opportunity to keep his staff intact. I'll say it once, I'll say it again. I thought there were going to be changes on BYU's staff with his assistant coaches. I thought he was going to move maybe one or two guys out uh, to shake it up on the offensive staff, or not the offensive staff, just the overall coaching staff uh, for BYU basketball. But to this point, it has not happened. And just based on everything, it looks like it's going. They're kind of going with the route of continuity here. That's what Mark Pope's kind of banking on this coming season going into Big 12 play. Will it pay off? Well, it's anybody's guess, but we'll talk more about some transfer portal options that BYU apparently is going to be making a trip uh, to maybe Glens Falls, New York once again to visit a local legend, not Jimmer Fredette. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. First, a word on our friends over at Perry Homes. Of course, whether you're looking for your first home or you're ready to upgrade to your dream home, Perry Homes has a house for you. For 50 years, Perry Homes has been Utah's premier home builder with communities throughout the state. They have many communities, home designs, and price points to help meet your needs. Perry Homes is beautiful communities in Davis, Salt Lake, Tooele, and Utah counties. They also have multiple communities in Washington County near St. George as well. They offer over 50 unique home designs from Ramblers to two stories. Even townhomes are available. The best part is they have quick move-in homes available if you're looking to move right away, and they offer generous financing incentives through their preferred lender. So visit PerryHomesUtah.com to see what's new in Utah's finest neighborhoods. That's PerryHomesUtah.com to learn more now. For 50 years, Utah has been coming home to Perry Homes. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Can't thank you guys enough for your continued support of the podcast. Just talked about Perry Homes. If you'd like to be a sponsor here on the show, uh, looking uh, to add maybe one or two sponsors in the relatively near future, we have openings, and obviously we've had great success with a number of different types of companies. So if you have a company, a brand, a product you'd like to promote on the show, uh, we are now back open for business. Some of you who reached out in the last uh, month or plus, uh, we had a little bit of a, we called it a, a freeze, I guess is the easiest way to say it in terms of a local sponsor. So uh, that freeze has been lifted. So if you'd like to work with us, we're looking to work with you. Please email us lockedonbyu at gmail.com is the email address. All right. Uh, so, uh, BYU continues to look for new options in the transfer portal on the basketball side of things. One name that I think would be an absolute home run if BYU could land him is the name of Joe Girard. Now, some of you might remember him. He was a guy who was a native of Glens Falls, New York. He was a, a guy that looked up to Jimmer Fred. He's 12 years younger than Jimmer, but he looked up to Jimmer. He most recently played four straight years at Syracuse, obviously the hometown team up there, and was very, very good. Averaged 16 points this past year. Very good assist numbers. Just a great Great facilitator of the offense for the Orange the past four seasons. And Joe Girard is going to get a home visit from BYU. He's also uh, received visits. Uh, he'll be receiving receiving visits, excuse me, from Clemson, Notre Dame. He's also received other visits. Uh, let's see, down the, down the list as well. If I, I've got to find the list here. I apologize. I had it up in front of me and then I scrolled off of it. Uh, he's also had visits uh, with uh, Stanford, Butler, LSU, etc. So he's got no shortage of options. But Jimmer Fredette can get in this kid's 
kid's ear and say, you know what I did at BYU? You can do that same thing. Now, Jimmer obviously had four seasons to get it done at BYU. Joe Girard is a graduate transfer. And I know I said on yesterday's podcast, if you listen to it, I'd rather see guys who have extra time, uh, two or three years, to develop with BYU's core. But Joe Girard is the exception to that. A high-level scorer at the Power 6 level who has got great numbers and just has the ability to take over games scoring-wise and could be a great backcourt complement for Dallin Hall. Joe Girard, if you can get him, if you're BYU, sign me up. I think that would be an absolute home run get for BYU. I'll say it again. BYU needs a big man, a true big man in the middle. Uh, Ali Khalifa is going to visit BYU this weekend per what Vanquish Defoe and Robbie McCombs has reported. I think that'd be a nice pickup there. And then a guy like Joe Girard, I think, is absolutely what BYU needs. Another ball hander, handler who can facilitate the offense, and his experience playing for Jim Beheim and the Orange would go a long way to helping BYU navigate some of the headwinds they're going into as members of the Big 12 Conference. But uh, stay tuned. The Joe Girard sweep to stakes is just heating up, my friends. It'd be interesting to see if that ultimately pans out that way. Also on the basketball front, BYU will not be participating in the Big 12 Big East Basketball Challenge. Uh, As a result of the Big 12 having 14 teams and the Big East only having 11 teams, well, guess what? Only 11 of the Big 12 teams are getting an opportunity to play in that uh, crossover matchup between the two conferences. BYU, Cincinnati, and UCF, uh, three of the newcomers into the conference, will not be participating in it. Houston, obviously, who was the number one ranked team in the country for so long this past season. They were actually my pick to win the national title. They're the lone newcomer that's going to get the opportunity to play in that crossover event. I'm interested to see how this will go moving forward because once the uh, Texas and Oklahoma uh, move to the SEC, It'll be 12 teams in the Big 12 versus 11 teams in the Big East. So one team will uh, get alternated out every year. So that would mean a bigger opportunity for BYU to get in on that action. And obviously that'd be a nice non-conference game to have in your back pocket uh, for BYU. Even if it's going to be a pretty tough game in certain circumstances to win. Because the Big East, if, if if the Big 12 is the number one conference in terms of overall depth and power in college basketball, the Big East to me is probably number two. They are very, very good. Most of them are basketball-only schools and have strong, strong traditions. Providence, Georgetown, you know, I know Georgetown's been weighed down, but you know the you know the reputation of these schools, and we all know that Gonzaga has flirted with the Big East in the past as well. If they were to jump into the Big East, it'd be a nice even number. 12 teams in the Big East, 12 teams in the Big 12, hey, eh, pretty easy uh, situation to keep that Big East, a uh, Big 12 uh, crossover uh, matchup or the basketball challenge rolling uh, on an annual basis, but for one year at least, BYU will not be a part of that, and unfortunate that that will not work out in BYU's favor. All right, Uh, we have run out of time on today's show. I meant to talk about a disappointing loss for BYU against Michigan, but you know what? Uh, That disappointment can hang on for another day. So we'll talk about that on tomorrow's show. We'll get caught up there. Also, tomorrow's show, I had a great chance to talk with Eddie Hecker, new BYU cornerback, a guy who's expected to start right away for BYU and has one year to get it right with the BYU football program. Why did he pick the Cougars? What does he expect to do in a Cougar uniform? We'll have that for you guys on tomorrow's podcast. So thank you once again for making us your first listen of the day. Go check out our friends over the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Make it your second listen. Get caught up on everything going on in the Big 12 conference. It's available wherever you get your podcast and also available on YouTube. So until tomorrow, my friends, have a great rest of your day. Hope you all are doing well. This has been the Locked on Cougars podcast. See ya.